The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network and our fine family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, 22 Asian countries, and now across Europe. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. That is toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. My email address is xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com. And our websites, www.xzoneradio.com and www.xzonetv.com. My guest this hour is Paul Davids. And uh, Jesus in, in India is the movie that we're going to be talking about with Paul this hour. It is Paul David's fifth feature film as director. He produced the film with Anil Kumar Urbil, uh, who is from Goa, India, and who served as executive producer with Felicity M. Newman on Starry Night. It features a memorable music score by Brian Thomas Lambert, who also composed the music for the Sci-Fi Boys. This film is a quest to unravel the mysteries of Jesus' lost years, or hidden years, from age 12 to 30, which were not documented in the Bible. In doing so, it explores the legends, myths, and actual evidence that Jesus' hidden years were partially spent in India, and that Jesus was the King of Travelers, as Muslims have always claimed. It is loosely based on the book, King of Travelers, Jesus' Lost Years in India, by Edward T. Martin, who led us on a 4,000-mile journey to holy places of many major religions in this film. The film is most remarkable for participants who appear on camera, including best-selling author Professor Elaine Pagels of Princeton University, the Dalai Lama, the Pope of Hinduism, in his first public uh, revelation on this topic. And he insists that Jesus was in India at the 2.500-year-old Jagannathic Temple in Puri. Jesus in India is a 97-minute feature documentary produced over the years, over the years, and the course of three years. Joining me now to talk about Jesus in India is Paul Davids, the uh, film's director. And Paul, welcome to the X Zone. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me on this evening. Hey, it's great talking to you, Paul. Uh, three years in the making. Actually, I think it was four. That must have been a typo. <laughs> okay, four years. That, that's quite a bit of, of time for a 97-minute uh, documentary. You know, many of my films have taken years to make, you know, starting with 
Roswell, mm-hmm. which is shown everywhere. Um, but uh, this one was a particular challenge because we ended up filming in uh, in so many countries and three continents. What did you learn? What was the most startling revelation that that you made during the filming of Jesus in India? Well, we started out looking into myth and legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the beginning point for this question is there are 18 missing years of Jesus' life in the New Testament. Some people are unaware of that, but from age 12 to age 30, you have literally nothing except one sentence in the Gospel of Luke that ties it together with nothing specific, just saying that he grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. It doesn't say where he was, what he was doing. Is a hole in the Bible. In film, we would call it a jump cut, a huge jump yeah. cut in the story. Now, um, Christians have never filled in those years. But in India, there have been stories legends, tales of documents as old as the Bible that tell of Jesus, who they called St. Isa, being in India. All right, let's talk more about this in two minutes on the other side of the commercial break. Paul Davids is our special guest, www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. We'll both be back on the other side of this break here in the X-Zone. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine like hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining room can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you're visiting, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic Felsmere, or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, old Florida cuisine at its best. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Are you interested in the paranormal, ghosts, UFOs, or psychic phenomenon? 
Join me, Tim Bartley, co-host of Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers, Tim and Justina, coming mid-January 2017 to the XZBN. We will channel spirits live and talk to them, revealing all kinds of amazing information. Spiritual attachments will be found and removed on the show, and so much more. To find out when you can listen to Talking to Spirits with Lightworkers Tim and Justina, visit www.xzbn.net for listeners on both sides of the veil. Paul Davids is our special guest. Exonation. His website is www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. That's www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. And Paul is the film's director. Now, Paul, before we went to the commercial break, uh, we uh, we were talking about the missing years of Christ's youth in the Bible. And why do you think nobody has has pursued this issue and say? Where where was he? You know, like how come there, these years are missing? Well, it has been pursued by some researchers, Rob, including Edward T. Martin of Lampasas, Texas, who wrote the book that inspired this film. Um, there is um, a record of evidence of Jesus in India beginning to surface, going back now about 120 years. Um, and our job was not to go in with any preconceptions mm-hmm. or belief or prejudices about the information one way or another, but to take a, a look at it and to sift through it all and see, uh, could we draw any conclusions about what we felt is just myth and legend with no substance to it, or where there's smoke, there's sometimes fire, what is there that, that could be uh, real and really indicate that uh, Jesus may well have been in India. There's a lot of evidence, a lot of things that point to this, some of which startled us while we were there. And one of the momentous things in the film, I think, is that we have the man who, I, I call him the Pope of Hinduism. He's not, Hinduism doesn't really have a Pope. I guess you would say he's something, uh, you know, between a Pope and an Archbishop, if you were comparing it to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. They have uh, four high-ranking um, uh, priests of Hinduism called the Shankaracharya of the Northeast, South, and West. The Shankaracharya of Puri insists now publicly, uh, this is the first public record of this in our film Jesus in India, that Jesus was in India in Puri at the Jagannath Temple, which has been there in one form or another. The ancient temple goes back 2,500 years. And there was travel to India in Jesus' day. There was the Silk Road of course, would travel all the way to China. There was ship travel to India. We know Jesus sent St. Thomas to India. This is fact. Uh, St. Thomas's presence in India after the crucifixion for a period of about 20 years until he was killed is accepted by Catholicism. John Paul II went to India to pay homage to St. Thomas. There's a basilica there for him. There's a church where he preached. He spread Christianity throughout India. Why did Jesus send him there? Was he sending him to a, a place in a continent that he already knew from having been there in his youth? 
The Bible has the story of the three magi, the wise men, who we're told are the, the, the magi of the East. Well, how far East? Where in the East? Were they from India? Was there a pull on Jesus' life from these high-ranking souls, these rishis from India, um, from uh, his first days? I mean, these are all valid questions. But to find that the Shankaracharya insists it's true, this links up with information that came to light about 120 years ago when a very ancient document was uncovered in a Tibetan monastery. Well, not a Tibetan monastery, actually. This monastery is in the Himalayas, in Ladakh, uh, which is very close to Tibet. And a Russian explorer came across this document, translated it, and it told the story of the missing years of St. Isa, who is Jesus, according to this manuscript, uh, who was crucified in Judea, and uh, it fills in those 18 missing years and charts where Jesus was during those years, including the Jagannath Temple in India. This becomes very interesting because this was a seat of, of Hinduism. The travels uh, would have included uh, travels to Buddhist regions. So it opens up questions of what was the extent of Jesus' exposure to other religions. Of course, he was raised in the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. Um, as we know, the Last Supper was the Passover dinner of the Jewish faith. But to what extent was he exposed to the other major religions of his day, the ancient religions of Buddhism and Hinduism? And did any of those beliefs show up in any way in the earliest forms of Christianity? That's the interesting riddle. And we look for evidence of that not only throughout India, but also at several major universities with help of some of the major scholars um, of the New Testament. And I want to say that that includes uh, the very uh, famous and best-selling author, Professor Elaine Pagels of Princeton University. We also went to Georgetown University, where we consulted with two top Catholic professors who do not share a lot of these beliefs. Uh, They can't disprove them. And Elaine Pagel certainly opens the door by saying that uh, scholars cannot rule out that Jesus was an Indian. Now, if they can't rule it out, this becomes an incredibly interesting subject for real examination, and that's what we did. We went there, we spent a summer going through 4,000 miles of India to ancient temples, Hindu temples, Buddhist monasteries, uh, Catholic churches, the locations where, uh, where uh, the Apostle Thomas was, and we tried to sort through as many of the pieces of this puzzle as we can. Not to tell people what to believe, but to give them enough information about what is believed by others so that they can form their own opinion. Why did Jesus go to India when he was a child? Well, you say child. Uh, let or me a say, young man. Let, let's, let's clarify that in, in, in Judaism, one becomes a man at age 13. Mm-hmm. You have a bar mitzvah. And certainly in Jesus' day, uh, when a boy became a man, they were usually soon married. There were arranged marriages, and uh, almost all men would have been married in their 13th year if they had stayed there. 
it would have been an extraordinary exception that Jesus would not have been married as a young man. And yet the opportunity for travel was certainly there. I mentioned the Silk Road, uh, the, the merchants, the caravans, the opportunity to travel to India, which would have taken about one year, and would have taken him through many interesting places, uh, probably including Persia, which uh, uh, is uh, modern-day uh, Iran, and probably to Tibet. Now, as far as the why is concerned, well, these ancient religions were part of the core of human belief in major parts of the world at that time. Certainly the Messiah would have wanted the information as to what the, the, the other sheep that were not of his fold believed, and also there was a Jewish presence in India and Kashmir in those days. You know, the Jews come from 12 tribes. Mm -hmm. They've been dispersed. Two of them remained in Israel. Um, we know that at least one of those tribes took root in Kashmir, which is a very beautiful land. It's called the land of milk and honey. It's, it's northern India. It's a disputed territory, in other words, the site of military conflict right now between the controlling Indian government and the Muslims who, I, I would say, predominate there. Um, and there, there is a Jewish history there, and it's, it's found in the Kashmiri language, the similarity of their words to Hebrew words, and certain customs that we can trace back, and it's been proven through genetic studies. There was even an ancient temple of Solomon, in Kashmir, which was a smaller duplicate of the Temple of Solomon in Israel. Now, wouldn't this have been interesting to the Messiah, you see? Because the, the, the Jewish concept of Messiah was going to be the leader who was going to reunite the lost tribes, who was going to reunite and bring the Jewish people back together again. Certainly, Jesus took it upon himself to state the law, the law that was not being followed, that had been forgotten, that was not being observed, you know, that led to money changers being mm. in the temple and things like that. Um, so reaching out to the lost tribes was, it was part of the concept of Messiah. It would have been a part of the concept that Jesus would have been aware of at that time. So this is not a far-fetched idea. The question is, is it true? Is there enough there, you know, to believe it? And part of, the, part of the core possible answer to that comes in the matter of this document that was found in this, this uh, monastery, Buddhist monastery in Ladakh, Ladakh uh, that was first uncovered by Russian explorer Nicholas Notovich in about 1887, or it was 1887. Now, let, let me say that many Christians have debunked Notovich. And if you go online and you search this out, you'll find some websites that are solely devoted to uh, undermining his word and his reputation and to claim that he was never even there, that he made the whole thing up, that he invented the document of St. Isa that filled in the missing years. But none of this criticism is fair, in my opinion. Zero. Because the document was seen 
and retranslated by other reputable people through the years. This was part of our mission in India. Uh, who could we ask? Where could we go to elucidate this information? All right, let's take a break here because I have to take my news. Paul, it's great having you with us on the show tonight. Congratulations on a great film. I was at your website today, uh, www.jesusinindiathemovie.com, and I watched the trailer, Yep. and I can hardly wait to see the entire thing. Well, thank you. Thank you. This is wonderful, and I look forward to coming back after your break. All right. Paul Davids, please stand by, www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. There is a trailer on the website explanation. Go visit it. It'll give you a taste of what you have in store for you when you see Jesus in India. Still to come on tonight's show, X minus one. We're going to be going back to 1956 to episode number 11 called Tunnels Beneath the Earth. My name is Rob McConnell, and this is the X Zone live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. We'll be back after the news. Don't go away. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Paul Davids is our special guest this hour, Nation. He is the director of Jesus in India, and you can watch a trailer of this movie at www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. That's www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. Um, Paul, why do, why would Jesus have gone to India, especially when, you know, he never cited uh, the Hindu Vedas, but always the Jewish Old Testament, which co- which proclaimed the monotheistic God of Judaism. Good question. At its root, of course, uh, Hinduism is monotheistic in the sense that Brahma is the one creator. But um, when you say that he, he never cites the Vedas in mm-hmm. the uh, New Testament... Right. We have to look at how the New Testament came about and ask whether it comes from the earliest sources and all of the earliest sources on Jesus' sayings and teachings. You know, in, in the last 
few decades, well, actually going back to 1948, in a place called Nag Hammadi, Egypt, there were ancient scriptures dug up there, ancient gospels that were never included in the New Testament, including the Gospel of Thomas and many others. Professor Elaine Pagels of Princeton wrote a book about uh, the Gospel of Thomas, Mm -hmm. sayings of Jesus that are very, very early. There are disputes among scholars as to whether this goes all the way back to the time of the Gospel of Mark or whether it's a little later. We don't know for sure. But there are sayings of Jesus there that are closer to the Vedas, that do uh, suggest certain things of Hinduism. And this is the Gospel of Thomas that was considered a, a, a Gnostic Gospel, was labeled apocryphal, and it was not one of those that was included in the New Testament. But what does it have that makes us think of Hinduism? Well, it speaks also of the feminine aspect of, of God. This is part of Hinduism, that you have the, the Heavenly Father and the Divine Mother, the counterpart, the male and the female, as part of the creative force of all existence. Right, but where, do we, where does Jesus talk about the female aspect in the Bible besides in, his own in, mother? In, in the Gospel, I'm saying in the Gospel of Thomas. I see. And yeah. in the, the New Testament itself, some of the things that suggest uh, a, a commonality with Hinduism that did make it into the Bible, one of the, one of the quotes that is often cited is this one that goes, If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. The yogis of India claim this as really a profession of what, what yoga is and what Hinduism is all about. If thine eye be single, you know how Hindus have the, they, they have the red dot mm-hmm. at the point between the eyebrows, which is where they meditate. They make their eyes single by focusing on what they call the third eye or the eye, the, the eye between the you know, between the eyebrows, right. that this is the center of concentration that Hindus use to bring about the sensation that the whole body is full of light or illumination. So this is, this is one example. Um, there is a reference to uh, being, you know, born again in the New Testament. Um, and, um, there, you know, there's the question raised about reincarnation. Now, now the way the Bible was shaped hundreds of years after Jesus' lifetime, um, you have the doctrines of heaven and hell and one life and then a judgment. But the question is that has plagued scholars uh, through the centuries that have looked at this is, was that in fact the original teaching of Jesus, or were the original teachings of Jesus buried in the sands of Nag Hammadi, and there are also the Dead Sea Scrolls. There are ancient uh, documents that were lost to time. And do those point the way for understanding his teachings in a way that was excised from the Bible? You see, if, if you accept the Bible as the infallible Word of God, as fundamentalists do, mm-hmm. you're living with a document that is full of contradictions. Yeah. Many contradictions, even between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So which... Which did you accept? I mean, how, how, how did Judas die? You know, did he hang himself, or did he cut out his bowels, you know, with, with a knife? They, they, the, the stories are told in different ways. Scholars tend to look at it as a document that, uh, is, that evolved over time, 
Um, and part of the proof of that, this, this really interests me. Many people may not be aware of it. But Mark, the Gospel of Mark, is said to be the earliest of the four uh, canonical Gospels. And the earliest versions of Mark that exist in multiple languages do not end, they do not have the resurrection. They don't have those final paragraphs of Mark. The story ends a little bit earlier. It ends on Easter Sunday with the two Marys coming to the tomb, and the rock covering the entrance is rolled back, and Jesus is not there. He's gone. He's missing. Which invites the question, where is he? Where did he go? Did he ascend to heaven? Did, how could it be that he's not there? But the answer of resurrection and appearing to the apostles, that's not there in the earliest version of the earliest book of the New Testament. It came later. Now, it may have existed as oral tradition. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think there, there's the, the film, Jesus in India, deals in part with his appearances before the, the apostles after the crucifixion. Okay, I've got a question for you here, yeah. and, and, and this has been bothering me for the last couple of minutes. Uh, Jesus was known in his community as a carpenter and a carpenter's son. Mm -hmm. Now, according to what I understand, it was customary among the, the Jewish people at that time for their fathers to teach their sons a trade. Now, Joseph would have taught Jesus the trade of carpentry as Jesus matured in Palestine area. Mm -hmm. Now, the carpentry played a role in his life, and it's clear because of some of his parables and teachings that he drew from that experience. For example, he told of a building a house on a rock as opposed to sand, and that's in Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. Right. So if this, is, if this is Jewish custom, where the father passes on the, the, um, the trade, uh, the trade why would Jesus have been let to go to to India instead of learning his father's trade, which obviously he did? Well, in the the uh, the manuscript that Notovich discovered, mm -hmm. the suggestion was that it was not that Jesus was let to go, but that that Jesus, of his own devices, decided to leave, left his father's house at a time when, you know, um, matchmakers were interested in him as a prospective husband for, uh, you know, the, uh, he, he was known at that time for his um, wise pronouncements about the Almighty uh, and would have been considered uh, a prime candidate for a good, a good match. And the words that are in the missing manuscript that's called The Life of St. Isa, The Best of the Sons of Men, were that he left his father's house and uh, traveled toward Sindh, which eventually took him to uh, the, the land of the, the Five Rivers, Punjab, and other areas of, of India. So it's not suggested that he left with some kind of consent or permission, but that it was his, uh, that it was his decision. Now, I, I want to say that there, there are some who have said, uh, who have accused this of being biblical, an exercise in biblical revisionism. And my response to that is, you can't revise something that isn't there. It, it, it's not a matter of revising something that is said in the Bible. You have to appreciate that nothing is said in the Bible about those 18 years, except for one sentence. 
And you have to begin, if you're interested in this subject, and the inquiry about Jesus in India that we explore in the film Jesus in India, you have to ask yourself, why are there those missing 18 years? Why do we have so much detail about the birth narratives and the flight to Egypt and what happened at age 12 when he tarried in the temple in Jerusalem and had learned discussions with the doctors of the law? Why do we have all that? And then the story stops. Now, there are some researchers who feel there's a variety of opinion. Okay, there are some who, who think it was deliberate, that think that in the founding of the new religion of Christianity, it was seen as not helpful to present the fact that Jesus had spent time among those of the heathen religions. Uh, there are others who feel that, the, that these, this information was simply lost, that it wasn't available to those that wrote the New Testament. After all, it was written, you know, decades after the crucifixion. But is it, is it also possible that at the Council of Nicaea, it just wasn't included? Yes, it is possible. It, it, you know, deliberate censorship is a possibility. Now, I, I think one of the really interesting things in all of this to me is, Christians have objected to the very concept, saying, you know, Jesus among heathens, why? Why? Um, why would he want to learn from them? But w when you look at this document that was translated, The Life of St. Issa, the Best of the Sons of Men, it doesn't paint a picture of a complacent Jesus who studied the Vedas and accepted them. As a matter of fact, it portrays a Jesus who, was a, who became something of a troublemaker there, because he didn't follow their rules. It states that he objected to the caste system in India. There are four castes. And he said, you all are equal in the, in the sight of my father. And he went up against the caste system, which was one of the most rooted things of Hinduism at that time. And he violated precepts, it says in this document, by taking the Vedas and reading them to the lowest caste, which was absolutely forbidden. Well, you know, this invited anger and it says that there was a plan to assassinate him, that he literally escaped and went northward to the part of India that was the, the birthplace of, of Buddha. So for those who, without really looking into it, what we look into in detail in Jesus in India, the movie, for those who, 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 who think, well, you know, it just, it just it, it must have been made up by Hindus who want to associate their, Jesus with their religion, they're not thinking it through, because no Hindu would have written this account of this important holy person in their midst who objected to what they believed in. You know, it's not the story the Hindus would have, would have wanted to tell. So to, to me, that gives it a ring of truth, very much like the same Jesus who went into the temple in Jerusalem and threw out the money changers. Troublemaker. Uh, it's in character. So... It's fascinating, it, it, and we would love to get our hands on that ancient document. Our search, you know, went all the way to that Buddhist monastery where the document has been seen and translated numerous times, and the monks there, are they're aware of it. They neither confirm nor deny that they know where it is. And this is a mystery. I have, since this movie came out, and the, the movie's been on the Sundance Channel now about five or six times, um, r repeatedly at, at, at Christmas and Easter, and now comes the DVD. You know, we're, we're, I just want to say we also added about another more than a 
gee, I think 80 minutes of bonus materials with all kinds of additional research materials and uh, things from seminars and the premiere of the movie and the questions and answers and all these research materials, all these kinds of things are there, too. But, it, but isn't it, isn't it uh, true that those who argue that Jesus was never in India, quote, Luke 4.16, as the key, to the, uh, the key text to refute the idea that Jesus went to India? Uh, at the beginning of his three-year ministry, Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and was he, and was his custom. He entered a, the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. Jesus was brought up in Nazareth, not India, and uh, his custom was to visit the synagogue, not not Hindu temples. So, if Jesus was in Nazareth at the beginning of his three-year ministry, what age would that put him at? Well. It, it, the age given in the Bible is around the age of 30. Uh, you know, there's dispute about the actual year that he was born. Was he born a few years mm-hmm. B.C.? Do we have the dates quite right? But I want to respond to what you're saying. First of all, if he went to India at age approximately 13, we don't know when he actually came back. So he could have been back for a few years before the ministry began. Um, and it would have been his custom to attend the synagogue. But there are there are there are two other things I'll point to. Right, we're going to point these out. We're going to point these out on the other side of this commercial break. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network. Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Hi, I'm Larry Lawson, host of Paranormal Stakeout. With over 36 years in law enforcement, I have learned a few things. The most important is the proper gathering and preservation of evidence is vital to putting the bad guy behind bars. It's no different in the world of paranormal investigation. Whether it's the search for the afterlife, cryptozoology, UFOs, and extraterrestrials, how we gather the evidence, preserve that evidence, and present it to a jury of our peers will make the ultimate difference in proving the existence of worlds and entities that are beyond our imagination. Join me, Larry Lawson, every week on Paranormal Stakeout when, along with my guests, we'll take a journey to prove with indisputable evidence what man has struggled to believe for centuries. Go to xzbn.net for the broadcast schedule and check me out at paranormalstakeout.com. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today 
www.soulbalancing.world. Paul Davis is our special guest, www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. All right, Paul, you were going to uh, refute the claims of those who say that uh, Jesus never went to India in, uh, what is it, uh, Luke? What was it again? It was, I believe it was uh, Luke 4.16. You cited, uh, uh, yes, you you cited uh, uh, one example. Uh, I was going to point out that... uh, I find the saying very interesting that a prophet is not without honor, mm-hmm. except in his own country among his own people. And uh, this suggests to me a, a Jesus who had traveled, a Jesus who was a prophet who had been honored among other people, who knew the experience of being honored, but was making the point that he was not accepted in his own land just as many of the ancient prophets of the Jews had been not accepted in their, in their time, too. That was one point. The other point that was raised by one of the Catholics who speaks in the film, Michael Hesseman, a Vatican-accredited journalist, he, he says that, um, he reminds us that the Gospel of John closes with the words that so many things were done in Jesus' life that all the books in the world could not contain all the stories to tell all of his life, which gives us an open door. It gives us an open book to ask a lot of questions, or what are these things that weren't told? We know nothing was told about those 18 years, and we ask why. The most important person in Western civilization, why such a gaping hole? Couldn't anybody have remembered? Wouldn't it have been considered important enough to put down? But in in the final analysis, I want to emphasize that there is no answer to this question. And my film, Jesus in India, it's a look at, at, at evidence and myths and legends and an attempt to sort what may be evidence from what is myth. And w- while I don't claim to have the answers, I do claim to have the questions. <laughs> and all of these questions are asked, and we went to top people to come as close to the answers as we could. And this includes the Dalai Lama, what did the Dalai Lama say? And I've got about a minute left here. Yeah. The Dalai Lama emphasized the commonality of religions, that all religions serve the same uh, purpose of promoting love and forgiveness and compassion, and these are the common elements found within all religions, and that what we have to do is emphasize what binds us together rather than separates us, because the clashes between religions, as we know, leads to war, war, it leads to destruction, it leads to misery. But if we could all make that leap, including all Christians and those of other religions, to look to the common core principles that are shared by all religions, suddenly it brings mankind closer together as one family. And that's what we need going into this next thousand years. Paul, I And are still going to be here a thousand years from now in order to enjoy Paul, I agree with you 100%, and I wish you much success with your movie, Jesus in India. And I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone. I look forward to it, too. Thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. It's been my pleasure, sir. Take care of yourself. Thanks again. Good night, Paul. Paul Davids, www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. That's www.jesusinindiathemovie.com. 
When I come back from the news at the top of the hour, it is Tuesday night, which means X minus one here on the X Zone. We're going to be going to 1956. It's the 13th episode entitled Tunnels Underground. My name's Rob McConnell. This is the X Zone on Talkstar.